Blog Talk Radio. Time with Pastor Steph. Alan, 
Yeah, he's been acting floaty, flighty, and flaky ever since his wife Betty has, you know, was murdered. And, you know, I always thought that he was a little too calm for me. And, you know, you just don't know how people receive and, you know, handles and news and the studies, actually, you know, the death of their spouse. And he's just been mm, quite interesting. And he dropped a small bomb for me, but a big bomb for others, on his father-in-law. When his father-in-law kind of questions his behavior and how calm he's been. Some of the events We all listened to yesterday's episode because we talked about it. Oh, let's get me on down to our brother who's the attorney. Oh, for him and the judge, they are at it. I mean, up close and in person. They do not hesitate to indicate how they feel about one another. Nah, judge ain't trying to let him get over the attorney. Attorney ain't trying to let the judge slide and and give him those uh, sarcastic words. Oh, no, 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 no. Let's shimmy on down to our brother, Pat. Oh, my goodness. Pat is just, uh, Wow. You know, it takes a whole lot of money. Is somebody medicated Pat? Because he's just a little too calm for me as well. And, man, there might be another murder. Because Pat, he's been holding it together, you know, in his own way. And, you know, people who hold it together under Pat circumstances tend to explode. And um, I don't remember reading the little paper that he did expose, but he's been quite interesting, too. Because it ain't been so much, you know, somebody's going to be accepting, you know, uh, of being dismissed. And he has been dismissed with a capital D and a capital D at the end. Yeah. <laughs> you know how animated that. Well, this is why the episode is called The Big Top, because circus, circus, circus is what's going on. When you get a magnifying glass and you just take a close look at all these folks, they are an interesting bunch, including the pastor who, I don't know, the old pastor seems to have a little more passion than he does. I don't know. But, you know, the, the sad part about this is it's not fictitious. No, this is not a made-up story. This is, you know, this, this is a true story. And we know that something has been added in for, you know, dramatic effect. And, you know, when you're telling the story, you don't have everybody's perspective. Um, you know, you do have to kind of fill in the blanks and, you know, exaggerate a little bit on some things. But I, I have to tell you that I don't know how much exaggerating is actually taking place 
in this, uh, what do you call it, thing, this story. It all seems to flow right in with their normal personality, their normal behavior. So, you know, if you have not gotten, you know, a feeling like you want to watch Love and Death, the HBO miniseries, you really need to because I have to tell you, it, it really mirrors a lot of who we are in, in, in all shapes, forms, and factors. No, you didn't have to be the spouse who you found out that your wife is a straight murderer, literally, you know, to act the way Pat is acting. You did not have to be, you know, the spouse that cheated, you know, to act the way, you know, either one of Alan or uh, Candy acted. You know, I have to tell you, you can look and you can see people all in this story, regardless of your walk of life, regardless of your economic status, regardless of, you know, race, creed, or color, regardless of your belief system in God. Because this is you know, the nucleus of the story is this is a church-going community. And as you can see, yeah, the church is a church. This, this, uh, this cast of characters, you know, they do have their quote-unquote home in the church. And unfortunately, all of this twisted behavior, all of this questionable behavior is definite something that you need to look in the mirror and ask God to please reveal and divulge if any of this is you. God, do I look like this? Am I like this? In any shape, form, or fashion, because, you know, if I'm that friend who has that friend, you know, who is telling me all this stuff, and I just can't seem to check her on anything, other than protect her when she's wrong, other than to coddle her, you know, when she's telling me, you know, all of this stuff and trying to feel sorry for her, instead of me being that gossip girl who's, you know, taking in all of the, the, the gossip that, you know, is going on around me, instead of being that loyal friend, quote, unquote, who's really not a loyal friend. Thank God for Jesus, who is a friend of all friends, who's going to pull your coattail when you do something wrong. Thank God for Jesus, who definitely checks us when we are out of pocket. Thank God for Jesus, who just says, I can't let you. I can't allow you. I refuse to let you walk around and think you're okay and you're not. And that's been my question to several people who I know who know what's right, who God has taken time to nurture and invest in. And I ask over and over and over and over and over again, are you on the right side of God? That does not mean perfection. But you can't get it right when God has given you the right already. Oh, he said, I wait with you in the time of ignorance. Well, once you know, let me break your heart, you are no longer ignorant. So God is no longer winking at you. And I look at this entire cast of characters, 
And I say to myself, how many people are God? You know, how many people is he looking at? Because this is an interesting bunch. And, you know, if I can look at this and I don't question who I am in the eyes of the Lord, then there's something wrong. Because let me explain something to you. These people in this group, you have not seen any conscious, barren, um, what do you call it? Surrendering, submitting, confession. You don't see nothing. They are actually okay because of their actions. Listen, how would you know? Because I'm looking at their actions. Your actions depict whether you're okay or not. Yeah. This is hard, you know, to, to break through. Well, I get But then it's fun. I don't care what anybody says. When you're out there in that world, you are miserable until God started, you know, messing with you. But until, you know, until that happens, then you are in party social. And I don't necessarily mean with the music and snapping your fingers. So you look at these group of people and you say, God, Please, please help me purge each and every day. And I mean purge, Lord. I don't mean purge that's going to make me feel good. Purge that's going to get me hand claps and amen, you know, from my amen corner or the people that I like. I'm not talking about that, Lord. I'm talking about something that's going to make me feel uncomfortable. That's going to make me, you know, come and run back to your throne over and over and over again just to make sure I'm right. So there's a whole lot to be said for watching this particular series because God can deal with you really through the eyes of, of a new person who God is dealing with on a regular basis who's looking at this and saying, God, I, I just can't let this be me. So please help me, Jesus. All righty, all righty, all righty. That's how we spent our Tuesday. Well, this morning, today is Wednesday. And you know how we do over here on the Zoo Tower Pastor Seth on a Wednesday, the ladies reign. Yes. So we've got some stuff to talk about today. I know Vivian is ready to go with her socially conscious segment. And uh, after last week's set of stories, I don't even know what she got this week. So go ahead and get that healthy breakfast. Go ahead and tell somebody that it's the time with Pastor Steph is on. And whatever you do, I mean, whatever you do, don't you go anywhere. Because we will be right back. Nearly three and a half million Americans have hepatitis C, yet more than half don't even know it. Hepatitis C can be transmitted in many ways. It's a leading cause of liver cancer, but the virus often begins damaging the liver before any symptoms appear. That's why it's so important to get tested. Know your personal risk for hepatitis C. And if you've already been diagnosed, get the facts. Visit hepcinfo.com, sponsored by AbbVie.
morning, good morning, and good morning again. Welcome back to It's Due Time with Pastor Steph. And it is Wow Wednesday. Oh, thank God for his mercy and grace that prevails. And despite the fact that we may not, you know, be right where we're supposed to be, God, his mercy endures forever. He woke us up this morning with uh, brand new tender mercies. And that's so much to give God thanks for because there are some people who did not wake up today. So we've got to say thank you, God, for such a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful experience of seeing a brand new day. It doesn't matter whether the sun is up. It's always sunshine in our hearts, right? Right. So, I know you've been waiting for our girl video. Let me not uh, keep you waiting anymore. Let's say good morning to Vivian. Good morning, Viv. Good morning. Happy Wild Wednesday. How are you, Pastor Seth? I am well. Thank you, Vivian. How are you? I'm fine. Thank you. That's good. What you got for us? Okay, today on Socially Conscious, we are starting off with a topic we haven't heard here in a while, and that is the topic of migrants. The reports say that Mayor Adams and his team have their eyes on the Equiduct Racetrack and Creedmoor Psychiatric Center out in Queens. They want to use these new locations for emergency tent cities that would help temporarily shelter the influx of migrants in the city. If approved and deemed suitable, these tents will be put up in these areas by the end of July. As of right now, the the officials have not given an accurate number of migrants. They're actually saying that city officials are refusing to cooperate was given out that number, but it is estimated that there is a total of 53,000 migrants currently being cared for by the city, bringing the total shelter population to a record-breaking 103,400 people, which is, of course, larger than most American cities. Reports say the mayor last week opened up two new mega shelters just to help cope with the um, relentless flow of migrants, bringing the total to 186 emergency sites set up across the five boroughs. They say these two sites are on state property, the Equidoc Racetrack and the Creedmoor Psychiatric Center. They are on state property, so that means Governor Kathy Hutchell would have to approve the plans. Demonstrators on Monday protested against the idea, and as they seemingly have gotten everything they've wanted so far, at least to my knowledge, I don't see the protests helping. Personally, I think that they're going to get these sites, but of course, I will keep you informed as the story progresses. Next, we have some news about the MTA. They will begin their free fare bus routes by mid to late September. 
They say this pilot program will serve around 43,900 people daily, um, especially the weekday riders, for a period of 6 to 12 months. They will have five routes, one in each borough. Hutchell says, quote, by establishing these fare-free bus pilot routes, we are expanding access to public transportation across the city and improving transit equity to better serve all New Yorkers, end quote. So the routes were chosen based on ridership, fare evasion, service adequacy, equity for low-income and economically disadvantaged commuters, and access to employment and commercial activity. Additionally, it is important that we know that the bus, the pilot buses will not include free transfers to other buses or subway lines. So it seems like they want to help the low-income communities and find a way to cut down on people who are fare evading. So maybe their thoughts, maybe if we are implementing these free bus routes, people will utilize those instead of deciding to, you know, hop the turnstiles or sneak on the back of the bus. Or maybe they're just trying to help people who just simply can't afford it. I think it's very interesting to see them doing this. They're saying that this new pilot is going to cost upwards of $500 million, and I'm kind of questioning it because they were just talking about how much they needed money. So now you're dishing out money to give free bus rides to people. So it's an interesting um, topic. I want to know what the, the their, what's really behind, what's really going on behind the scenes for this thought. But nonetheless, those options will be available starting mid to late September. Next, we have another good news type of story as well. We're always talking about teachers that don't make the best decisions. Well, this story is about a teacher who made a very selfless decision. An Ohio teacher is getting ready to donate a kidney to one of his high school students next week. They say Eddie McCarthy, a math teacher at Whitmer High School in Toledo, Ohio, taught Roman McCormick geometry last school year and has decided to help his former student regain his young life back by donating a kidney. Roman has Bohr syndrome, a rare hereditary condition that affects tissue development and can cause ear and kidney malformations. They say he got it from his dad who they were unaware had it until Roman was diagnosed with it as a baby. They're saying for a long time, Roman was good until his symptoms began to worsen and he ended up with stage four kidney disease. His parents decided to put his story out there to seek outside help, meaning outside of the transplant list. His former teacher saw his story and decided that he wanted to help. He went through all the tests and precautions to see if they were a match, and thankfully they were. So Roman and Mr. McCarthy are preparing for the surgery that they hope will save this young boy's life. So again, we're often talking about the stories of teachers for all the wrong reasons. So we want to thank God for Mr. McCarthy and his decision to help this young boy 
a very nice uh, story to have in the midst of all the crazy that's going on. Next, we have an unfortunate story of a mother, I'm sorry, of a child who got, another child who got their hands on a gun. Reports say that a one-year-old was accidentally killed by her three-year-old sibling. The one-year-old suffered a head injury in the shooting and was transported to local hospital where she was pronounced dead at about 8.30 a.m. on Monday. The department said the child's name has not been released at this time out of respect for the family and the fact that she is a juvenile. Officials are currently doing an investigation on the incident to determine exactly what happened that caused this young girl her life. And they're saying that as of July 15th, so far this year, there has been at least 221 unintentional shootings by children in the United States. Out of these 221 shootings, 78 people have died and 151 were injured. And this is according to the Gun Violence Prevention Organization. So those numbers are getting up there. We're halfway through the year, and we got 221 unintentional shootings by children. So that's a lot. And now for our wow story of the week. A family is suing a funeral home for $60 million after they say the funeral home buried the wrong body of their family member, Clifford Zanner. They say that they entrusted Star of David Chapels, Inc. to arrange the transport of his body from South Carolina to Mount Arat Cemetery in Lensonhurst, New York, following his passing on February 25th. It is said that the funeral home then hired Fletcher Funeral and Cremation Services. The family said when the body arrived in New York, the children of Zenner told the funeral home that that was not their father, according to the lawsuit. They claimed that an employee of the funeral home convinced the family that the body was indeed their father and unfortunately does not go into detail about what exactly they were telling these these children or these people that convinced them that that was their father when it wasn't, but they did, and somehow they convinced them and they proceeded with the funeral. The family says they went about their lives, and sometime after the funeral, they received a call saying that the body buried and their father's burial plot was actually not his body, and that his body was still in South Carolina waiting for transport. Arrangements had to be made for the accidental body to be digged up and their father's body to be placed in the proper burial. They say this took a little over a month for the father to be laid to rest in his proper burial site. The family's lawyer says, quote, the most disturbing thing about this case is that the family pointed out the error and a Star of David employee pretended to confirm that the body was, in fact, Clifford Zanner. End quote. And again, they are now suing for $60 million. And I personally don't know if they should be getting this money because there's no way 
that someone can convince me that that per- person that I'm looking at is my family member when I know that it's not. So how much did the body decay? Was it that unrecognizable that the family was able to allow this funeral home employee to lead them to believe that that was their father when it wasn't? And then all of this craziness had to ensue, and now they're suing for $60 million? That's a stretch to me. But this has been Vivian with Socially Conscious, giving you the news that we are following. And remember, if you have any wild stories you would like to submit, please feel free to direct message me on Facebook. My username there is Vivian BM. And come back every Wednesday to find out if your story has been chosen. Thank you, as always, to our loyal listeners. And thank you, Pastor Steph. Thank you, Vivian. Thank you. You never cease to amaze me when you find these stories. I have a question for the, the the last story. The body was did they say that the body was whole or what I don't I don't at what point did they say at what point they got the body? Was the body a body, in other words, like you could look and tell <laughs> like that? Or was it cremated? I don't I'm I'm not I'm missing something here. It, 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 I, I'm, they didn't, like, go into a lot of details, but I'm assuming that it was a body because they were talking about it being transported and the, and them being able to look at it and say, well, that's not my dad. I don't know if they'll be able to say that's not mm-hmm. my father if it was just ashes. And they're saying that the funeral home employee was able to convince them that it was and that they went through this fake um, rigmarole of um, – making sure, like, they did their part to make sure that that was their dad and all this type of stuff. So I don't think if it was cream, if it was uh, ashes, that, you know, all of that would have been able to go about. Well, I know everybody's probably looking up in the air talking about what in the world is Stephanie talking about, but I just mean it because it it wasn't clicking. And I'm saying, was it a body body and you're looking at a body? Okay, okay. I just want to make sure. Where was the body left? In South Carolina. Okay, okay. Let me get to something, you know, Carolina. All right, Vivian. I don't know if you'd be making up these stories or not. I'm going to have to go do some research <laughs> behind you. Because <laughs> I mean, right here, girls. I mean, right. Thank you so much, Vivian, and we pray you have a blessed day. Please, as always, I ask that you hang around. And no, Pastor Steph is not losing her mind thinking that they were looking at a bunch of ashes. But I just needed you to say it because I was just thought I was missing something because you did mention something about some cremation company. So thank you so much for your patience. And uh, I might have to holler at you. So uh, okay. hang around for us please, as long as you can. Have a no wonderful problem. one if I don't talk to you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I think we need to do some research on our socially conscious segment. Zimian might be making up some stories like they made up this father's stuff. All righty, let's get to talking with the ladies. Let's say good morning to our elder Nitisha. Good morning, elder Nitisha. Good morning. Happy Wow Wednesday. All right, girl. And uh, Vivian has made it quite wow, hasn't she? How are you? I am good, thanks. I'm good. How are you? I'm well, 
don't think you. I don't think. And I just want to clarify something. Somehow or another, Shantice got in my phone, and she switched from Coach for Christian Life to It's Personalized. So when I, like, reached out this morning, it was not her. It was me. She's trying to you know, impersonate Pastor Steph. I was like, where is, where is personalized come from? It's not my thing here. And I'm like, and like I don't know if it's you. Let me just make it official. It was not her. It was me. Just, I just want you to know that. That's hmm. so funny. <laughs> We're gonna have to check. We're gonna have to check on her and Vivian Elder not teaching because they be doing some stuff here. I don't know. They've been hanging out <laughs> together. So we don't know. Oh my goodness, Vivian! Thank you so much for joining us this morning. Are you at camp? I'm looking at the ground. Is that campground? No, not today. No, last week I was. Oh, today I'm in Cincinnati. Oh, okay, okay. Oh, okay, okay, yeah. okay. I was like, it looks like that's campgrounds there. Um, well, thank God for all of the the young people that uh, Minister Greg is. Oh my gosh, four hundred. That that that's amazing for four hundred yeah. um, of our young people to sit on the one rooftop and hear the the word of the Lord. And that that that's a powerful movement. So I, I just wanted to. You know, publicly give a thanks for that because that that's a wow situation right there, Elton T Show. Yeah, thank you. Uh, you know, I mean, he's been there for a month. It um it actually ends today. The last session ends today. So he has ministered this um over the month. He's ministered over to over a, a thousand and uh, fifty young people, and um wow. we don't know what tonight tonight is when they actually, from this group, where they actually decide whether or not they're going to follow Christ. But up until this point, 260 young people accepted Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Amen. Amen. Amen and amen. That is phenomenal. That's a phenomenal movement of God, and we're really grateful um, to hear that kind of news because we're always talking about our children, our young people, our teens, and just to know that, you know, there's an actual movement that's taking place that we can, you know, work towards, you know, turning some lives around. So that's 200 and some odd young people that we don't have to worry about with a gun, shooting up a school or, or, or facility or themselves or committing suicide, or, you know, just being a member. Thank you, God. So that that's one of the reasons why Amen. I wanted to bring it up this morning, because we're always talking yeah. about what, what's going on with our children. And this here, mm-hmm. this lessens the impact of that. And if we talk about them being in the negative side, then we definitely got to salute, you know, God and our, our, our ministers, and our young people and really give God thanks for, you know, what we're hearing. So I definitely want to talk about that Amen. today. Thank okay. you. Okay. Oh, you're welcome. You're welcome. You're welcome. Thank you all um, for just doing what you do and just persevering to make sure that this world just gets that turnaround. And it starts with one life at a time. So. I'm, I'm really got you know, my hands are up in the air to God. So thank you all. All right. Now, this was interesting this morning because Vivian says 
has a news story that Mayor Adams is going to actually put up tent sites on the Aqueduct Raceway, which is, by the way, where they have put up the the uh, the uh, resort. What do you call that thing? The, what do you call that thing? Casino. The casino. That's out of Aqueduct. And Creedmoor or Creedmoor Ground, which is a mental facility. And mm-hmm. and they're like, okay, so we're at like 53,000 migrants, and, you know, it has pushed this, this shelter system to 103,000-plus um, people in the system. And, wow, wow. What are your thoughts about these two sites? I mean, again, right, we, we've had this conversation about them having the ability to be so creative now that we have an influx of people who are not, you know, um, Americans, um, and um, I think we're continuing to, to see this. I think it is scary to think, you know, that you want to put these people in a at a racetrack, like in setting up tents, again, what kind of quality of life are we offering these people? Uh, you know, putting them in a, a, a facility that was created as a mental institution, you know, you're thinking about the starch white walls. You're thinking about just the fact that it looks like an institution. What does that do to the mindset of these people that are going into these spaces um, and, and children that are going into these spaces? Setting up tents putting them in mental institution, that doesn't um, shift them from being homeless. That's just a, a, a something over their head so they don't get wet at night. But they're still homeless. That's, you, you, that, that, that doesn't equate to home. That's not a home for them. That is just shelter from, from the elements. But that's, that's not home. I thought it was me. I said myself, what are you trying to battle the problem of homelessness? Okay. All right, well thank you for confirming that. Let's see if our lady Tanika thinks that there's, you know, what's going on, you what her thoughts are. Good morning, Lady Tanika. Good morning. Happy Wednesday to you. Our ladies, our listeners, it is a wonderful day to be alive. Amen. All right. You're a native New Yorker, and uh, they took a whole lot of time to convert this uh, aqueduct raceway to a casino. They have done a lot of work. Let me let me say this before you, you speak, um Lady Tamika, I, I, I'm here in Queens, and I remember when they decided to put the casino on the Aqueduct Grounds. One of the things, ladies, that I don't know if you remember, I can't tell you how many hotels we have around now. That's where they need to be putting these homeless people because we're in the hood, and 
when I look around at all these hotels that they are putting in between this and in between that and on top of this and on top of that, one of the things that they talked about was drawing people to New York, to Queens, and they were anticipating making a lot of money from our visitors who were going to go to the casino. And they wanted to make it like a, a an Atlantic City. They knew they could make it like a Vegas. But I don't know if y'all remember this talk. That was their intent, was to bring in, you know, uh, uh, this, 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 put a hotel there on the grounds and surround the area with hotels. And they were fixing up the train stations. I don't know if y'all remember this, but they were fixing up the train stations and uh, all of the, the uh, neighborhoods and things like that because their biggest goal was to get money into the city from our travelers. So now you take that same site and you put a tent on that site as well as a tent on the site of Creedmoor. Now, for those of you who don't know, Creedmoor, I think there is maybe one or two buses, definitely one, that goes by the grounds of Creedmoor. It is not at a train station or anywhere near it. So it is on like the deserted side of it is near the highway, and once you get those people there, that's it. It's nothing but residential area. So now that that's said, Lady Tamika, uh, please give your on this uh, decision to put the tents there for the migrants, please. Yeah, ironically, I was going to give credence to the um, geography um, of one, meaning the aqueduct, because I'm on the border of Brooklyn and Queens, you know, and I don't really have to go in that area. Actually, it's not an area that I would frequent even in passing because it's kind of remote, you know, and so... You've got people coming from different places um, to acquire money, to gamble, whatever it is that they're doing, you know, and now you, you, they have to be concerned about their safety because, again, they don't know the mindset of these people, you know, that are there. And, you know, you want – if you look at Las Vegas, let's just, let's just compare it to, to Las Vegas. Um, it is a place that, you know, even if you're not there to gamble, it's a very visually beautiful place. You know, there are things to see, there are sites to, to, to get access to, food to eat. I mean, big, huge, mega restaurants that you can partake in. And so, but even now that I think about it, um, in visiting, there are areas that are least desired. Right in the middle of that, you know, there's there's a right. uh, skid right. row. If you if you would if yep. if you would yep. think about it, there is like kind of like that mentality of a skid row or or you know a, a, a area where it's least desired. And so you know, now yep. that I think about it, it is comparable and it's dangerous. You know, so 
you kind of at, at this point need to know where to go. So if you're planning on visiting, oh, you can go down this street, this street, don't turn left, don't turn right, you know, because and coming here, you just don't know, you know, and it becomes even all the more dangerous. Again, you know, we keep talking about these people and trying to find a venue. You know, one time before I said, what are they going to do, open up pods? You know, the, the a pod is a place where you can hold your necessities as opposed to putting it in a um uh, a holding facility or, or, you know, you can put it on your property or, you know, these little boxes, mm-hmm. you know, what's the difference? Uh, we're talking about tents or a pod, you know, at least in the, in the pod, you've got four walls, you know, with a tent, you've got something over you and possibly something to the side to keep you from being dry. That's not a place to live. There's no facility for you to go to the bathroom. My heart really goes out to these people. I understand that they're trying to make a, a, a way and a means, but my goodness. Mm-mm-mm. Boy, you ladies are definitely talking about some reality here. Uh, this is this makes my head just go from side to side. Uh, thank you so much for joining us this morning, Lady Tamika. Uh, our our uh, Minister Michelle will not be back with us until August as she is healing um, from from illness. So we continue to keep her lifted in prayer. But as always, we have our girl, Shanti, hanging out with us. Good morning, Shanti. Good morning. How are you? I'm fine, thank you. How are you? I am well, thank you. I'm well. Very glad to hear all right, so we have Aqueduct and Creedmoor as locations and uh, sites for their tents to go up for um, our migrants waiting to get, I guess, the final say, and they're actually ready to move as early as the end of July. Well, here we are at the end of July, so if it all goes through, mm-hmm. there'll be some tents. What's your thought? I'm, I've been trying to visualize up at the racetrack and up at Creekmore. Visually, I'm a lot more familiar with Aqueduct. You know, we drive past it a lot more. I've been there plenty of times when they had the amusement park there and, you know, going over there to see the casino. And I remember them saying their goal was, you know, to kind of slightly mimic Atlantic City. And in my opinion, they missed that by a huge mark. But I'm really, <laughs> I'm really not, again, like all of their other plans to, in their attempt to house these migrants. I'm really not understanding how and why this makes sense, um, in addition to what the ladies have already mentioned. But, again, now, so I go over there. I know they don't have the fair there anymore. They haven't had that fair in years. I'm going there to gamble or to eat or whatever, I'm going to spend money, and now you expect me to be comfortable with spending my money with a bunch of wanderers around. Like, I'm, I'm trying to understand, like, is, has this been considered? Have the powers that be who came up with this plan thought of this? Like, what kind of – because even when you go to Atlantic City, there's parts of Atlantic City you don't go to. I, Unless right. you want to risk your life. What do we call it? South you don't go. You don't, Compton. Right. Ah, ah. Right. We, we we don't go to Compton to get Popeyes after a certain time in Atlantic City because we value our life. 
So I am not comfortable with going to these to aqueduct to that you want me to spend my money. Then you need to make sure I feel as comfortable as Creedmoor, you know. Especially I, I just not intentionally, but I did a little reading a couple of weeks ago on like even the concept behind why the the psychiatric wards have all white everything. Not only all white clothes, not only all white rooms, but they have all white food that they administer to the patient. So I'm like, so now you're going to put the migrants in a facility that has this mentality and you don't expect them to, like we said before, we don't know who's already crazy. We don't know who's borderline insane. And now you're going to put them in this arena that is going to help to push that concept. Or if you're not crazy, you possibly end up crazy by the time you go. It's just like, um, there's just like no thought when they think of these things. It's just they see a space and it's like, bam, this is where we're going to put a tent. It's it's amazing. You know, as a resident of Queens, let me tell you something. When you talk about land, mm-hmm. it's there's a whole lot of land I hate in Queens that mm-hmm. is undefined. And you mean to tell me you had all the listen, they didn't decide today for tomorrow. This whole right. plan here of bringing migrants here on a back to 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 back level, this was a plan. And when you knew that you were going to bring them to each of these states, you had responsibility to properly prepare for these people. We've spoken about this before. And Mm -hmm. you can clearly see they have not properly prepared for these people to arrive. You, You have these people thinking they're coming here to a land of milk and honey. They're leaving their, mm-hmm. their place, they're coming here to the United States to flourish and to get a new start or whatever you promised them or whatever they promised them on that side or made them think they were going to get on this side. And the, 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 the bad part about this is there has been no plan for their arrival and stay. There's been no plan for our safety um, our environment to shift, mm-hmm. you know, just, just the weight of of bringing in so many bodies and lives and people here. There's been no plan. And, you know, I, I keep hearing, you know, well, you know, the man's doing the best he can. You know, he's being thrown into this, um, you know, situation. And, you know, I don't know how much he's been thrown, quote, unquote, into the situation versus Hoko, because, you know, she, she picked up the mantle. And in, in, in as part of somebody else's um, time that he was supposed to be there. So, you know, you've got, quote, unquote, thrown into the mix. And I do believe that, you know, you you may not have known everything. But, you know, as as New Yorker, that I guess that's my thing. If I'm sitting here, you know, at, at my desk or at, in my basement and all these things come to mind, you know, and I understand he does. I don't have the weight of a mayor or a governor, but 
You mean to tell me all the people that are surrounding you? Again, mm-hmm. I said to Elder and I teach about ago, I said, listen, these people who are, you are bringing here, a lot of them are very crafty with their hands. Get them the material. Get the contracts to these construction companies. Give them the laborers. Give them temporary work visas or whatever you need to do. Let them build their own places to live. Because I agree 100% with, with Elsa and I, Tisha, you, Lady Tamika, and you, Shantice, this is not a plan. All you're doing is putting up um, um, tents with, that has a covering over my head, maybe some some shelter on my side to keep the, the rain from hitting me. But this is not a home. Maybe where they came from really was a home. wasn't much of a home, but it probably was better than where they are now because a lot of them probably weren't living under some tent. So come on, mm-hmm. help everybody. Use your mind. Use your brain. Now, if my pea brain could think of something like that, you mean to tell me between you and all these people you got surrounding you, you can't think of that either. So we, we really need this. God just keeps saying, pray, 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 pray. Because other than that, we are going to be in a serious situation. I do not, you know, gamble and stuff like that, but I have been to Vegas. I have been to Atlantic City. I've never been, and I'm right in the mouth of, of the resort, of this aqueduct. I've never been. I'm not interested, but I have been on the ground. No, it's not. I've heard. People have said it. They said it's nothing there. What the point I was trying to make was the grounds, a lot of those grounds, the, the aqueduct ground is still very vacant. It's nothing but mm-hmm. one big parking lot. So my thing is you, that is a place to put a tent because you ain't got to worry about space. But, again, are you providing a home for these people and are you providing safety for the people who you have put this up for? and now you're going to lose where you were looking to gain. So I, I don't know what the big, you know, what the big plan is past this, but, boy, oh, boy, we're in trouble. I have a question for all of you ladies. Now, they, they've also been talking about MTA losing a lot of money. We also were told that we were going to get this increase um, in, in our fare. Now, they're looking to put free a free, a free bus line in each um, borough, and the interesting part is they will not allow you to get a free transfer unlike the other bus. So in other words, what they're trying to tell you is you will pay at some point. So we'll get you to this point, but after that, if you want to travel, you're going to pay. I believe I immediately as uh, um, Vivian was talking, immediately a thought came to my mind. I'm really interested in if any of you thought this same thing. Uh, Lady Tamika, what's your thought on this here? Uh, although we're not aware of it, we, the people <laughs> of Brooklyn, New York, and all of the other boroughs are paying for it, you know, because as soon as that fare goes up, you know, we're almost already paying $3. So, you know, if it goes up another quarter, you know, another, you know, okay, fine. And in actuality, in the time that these people are traveling, you know, we are already paying for it. They have been talking about these fair evaders um, for the long time, you know, and I, I myself have seen, you know, you get on the bus in the front and you see six people get in through the back. And I'm like, wait a minute, I've been paid, you know, and so it, it's not fair, but then how do you resolve it? You know, are you going to get the police every time somebody, you know, jumps the turnstile? And some of them are so crafty that 
you know, you almost, like, did I just see, I, I just saw this woman literally walk. She was walking a fast pace. She literally took her leg, jumped over the turnstile, and, and it was like, it was so flawless that it just looked like she was walking. She stepped over the turnstile and took going, never stopped. Wow. Her pace continued. And I was just like, wow. You know, and, and that just goes to show you, she's been doing that for a while. That's not something that you just, I, I would hurt myself. I'm not even tall enough, but just the whole idea. But um, we're definitely paying for it. You know, I, I think it, it's a good idea to help those who are having a hard time. But my thing is, if, if that's the case, why not find a way, not necessarily to, to pin, pinpoint them, but let them have a different type of card. So when they swipe, you know, it's a free ride for them, you know, because I, I, I got a, I got a funny feeling that, okay, fine. The fare is going to go up. It's going to bite all of us or the travelers that those that travel by train or by bus, it's going to affect us all. All righty. All righty. Shanti, you know, they're looking to help the low income individuals and, you know, some other agenda that's on this, uh, this, excuse me, that's in this plan to put one bus route that will be free. What's your thought? Well, a lot of these bus routes are free because a lot of these people stopped paying a long time ago. They just get on the bus, look at the bus driver, and keep on walking. And the bus driver's like, carry on. They're tired of fighting with people. <laughs> <laughs> so it's, you know, I think it's great that they would want to help, you know, like, okay, if you're taking this route, then this is free. And the no transfer on the free route makes a lot of sense because, you know, the, the transfer is because you paid already on one to go to, you know, the next bus to help you get to your destination. Um, but I agree with Lady Tamika as well. Somehow, some way, this is going to trickle back to taxpayers. Um, they're not giving away. So that would almost be like the pandemic money they just gave away. You know, so somehow they're still being reimbursed on the back end. Um, especially, like I said, especially, I can't even imagine the amount of money they're losing every day because people are really just not paying anymore. And unless, like, here in Queens, unless you're taking, like, the Q44 or something like that where when like the cops will randomly get on the bus and you have to show proof of your ticket you know and if you don't then you get ticketed so you try to go around paying 275 and now you got a ticket for 150 dollars because you don't want to pay 275 to get on the bus which is it's like really but outside of that for the most part cops are not doing that you know for a lot of the bus lines so i can't even imagine the tons of money they're losing not even weekly but daily because Riders are just not paying, or you do have the few, whether they're adult or kids, who really don't have, and they'll get on the bus and they'll ask, "Can I please have a ride?" And the drop bus driver will say, "Sure." You know, so compounded with that, it's like, how long is this going to to last, or is there going to be another increase on the fare shortly after they go up to three dollars? That's my question. All righty, all righty. Oh, Elton Atisha, what do you think? I agree. I actually um, was thinking that when um, Vivian started talking about it, 
I immediately said, we're going to pay for this. Just like, you know, they gave out the stimulus money, and when they gave out the stimulus money, everyone thought they were getting some free money until later on they realized that when they went to file taxes, <laughs> that, 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 that money came right back to the government. So I think, yeah, I think the same thing will happen here as well. I think what they try to do is kind of create good morale once they are under the pressure and they are feeling the heat and the criticism from, you know, communities, then they try to do something to appease, knowing that, oh, we're going to get this back on the back end. They're going to come up with some type of uh, tax um, when it's time to file taxes that will get that money back. Everyone saw a decrease in their return this year because of that stimulus money. And so I would bet your bottom dollar that in 2024, when people go to pay taxes, there will be some new something that is put in place for them to be able to get this money back. I really think that this is really just to try to appease um, some negative attention that they may be receiving right now. I actually agree with all of you ladies. They do nothing for nothing. (laughs) It's only momentary. Um, I I agree with you all 100%. My other thought was, you know, opposed to spreading the cops out. Um, now, all you have to do is pack them at the at the site of these other bus lines or whatever. Um, because see, now they're gonna make you pay. You know that that that, that riding for free, that's coming to an end. And this is one of the ways they can they can stop it. Um, it may not make a huge impact in the beginning. But I do believe it's going to make an impact over time because if you can get everybody to these point places, let me tell you something. These lines are going to be very strategic. They know that the low-income areas are the one, are a lot of the ones who are not only because we all do it, you know, all different races do it, but they know what lines are suffering the most. So yeah, they're going to drive you right to a spot where you're going to be gridlocked in. You are not going to be able. To get, I think they're going to put a lot more of these plainclothes people on these bus lines, and they're going to start snagging a whole lot more um, because they, 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 they are going to get their money back, not just from us, but from those who have made it their business to not pay. So like Tati said, you know, on, on those SBS routes, you know, you have to buy your ticket and ride the duration of the line hoping that, you know, you know, nobody gets on those buses asking you for your ticket that you purchased already, and now you're going to eat a ticket for a whole lot more than 275. And I believe that that's what that's one of the things they're going to do. I think they're going to find their way to get their money back this way as well. It's going to cut down a lot on that evasion, so that's going to save some money, and they're going to actually start snagging. You think that they're going to run these free bus lines anywhere? Oh no. Mm-mm. They watching everywhere where these bus drivers are saying that these people are not paying. Where they see the big decrease in their um, fares when they collect in the fares. Oh yeah, oh yeah. They 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 not stupid. They're not stupid by far. All right. Let's see. Um, I want I want to jump ahead. I want to jump ahead because I do want to have talk, give our topic this morning. I want to jump ahead to the wow story of this morning. And 
that's why I, you know, I did ask that crazy question to Vivian because I just needed it to make sense in my own head. You have this family that sold for $60 million. After the funeral home mixed up their father's body, and when they, Vivian says when the body got to the funeral home and it was, I guess, time to identify or funeralize him, they made mention and they said that, listen, this is not my dad. The funeral home director, the funeral home director, let me say this again, the funeral home director was able to quote-unquote convince them that this actually was your loved one. You funeralized this person, just buried this individual, and then later when your family's body was found, your dad's body was found, they told you, oh, we still have him here in North Carolina. So the body that was buried is not actually your father. So now, because of the mix-up, the mix-up of the body by the funeral home, they want to sue for $60 million. Shantish, you got the first leg on this one. The whole time <laughs> Vivian was saying this, I'm like, how are you, how would my sister be able to convince me that that's my father? If I know that's not my father, how are you, like, what kind of conversation? Um, I'm sorry, I don't know who this is, but it's not my father. No, it is. Yes, it is. This is not my parent. I'm telling you, this is your parent. What kind of creepish funeral home is this that you would have the family of the body that you had and you're having a back and forth with them. And that, that what, what kind of condition was the body in? Was he missing an eye? Was he a different complexion? Like, you didn't have a picture to pull out? To sh- you know, like, I don't under, and you know, it, it would be really bad because no family would want to go through this. But if I did make a mistake, which I did, in transporting the wrong body, how are you going back and forth? I can't even imagine being a funeral home director and someone coming to me saying, this is not my, my family member. The first thing I'm saying to myself is, oh, snap, we messed up. Okay, um, can you give me a few you know, minutes? Let, let's see how we can rectify this. No, instead, you're trying to convince, you're trying to gaslight them into believing that this is their family. That is, they should see this would be in a creek. Like that, I, I'm really not, like, I'm so curious as to how the condition of the body was that you thought that you would be able to tell them that this is their family, even though they're telling you that it's not. All right, all right. Elton Artisha. Ha, yeah, this one is. Um, yeah, no, I'm I'm sorry. Um, yeah, this one is 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 tricky because, you know, if this took place during the pandemic, right? Then there were so many people who were held um, at funeral homes for extended periods of time, and because of that, 
you know, loved ones were unrecognizable. You know, unfortunately, one of my good friends lost her mom during the pandemic. And when she finally did get to the funeral home for the services and viewed her mom, it just did not look like her mother. She just, she didn't. Even mm-hmm. I, I walked in and was stunned because it just did not look like her. But it was because her mom had sat at the funeral home mm-hmm. for almost a month, for about four weeks or so. So in situations like that, I can see where, you know, the family may have, you know, looked and said, wait, this, this doesn't look like this is not my loved one. And you are trusting the funeral, the people who you have left your loved ones in the care of. Like, I, I, I absolutely mm. think that they should pay. I don't know. I think $60 million is a lot of money. I don't think that, you know, $60 million <laughs> um, worth of pain and suffering. But I do think for, for the devastation, the inconvenience, you know, you cried and wept over who you thought was your loved one just to find out it is not. They absolutely should be held responsible and liable. It is no different than when I take my child to a school and I'm trusting you with my child. I expect that my child will be dealt with with dignity and respect. It doesn't make a difference because they're deceased. I still expect you to deal with my loved ones with dignity and respect. And that first begins with you identifying and have the appropriate names to the bodies. Like, what is your organizational system there? Now, again, if this happened during COVID, it, it was overwhelming. I get it. But then you and your staff were supposed to put things in place so that you didn't have this type of mix-up. We trusted you as a family to provide a service for us, and you, you botched it. You botched it. But that is how I could see the family being convinced um, of, you know, otherwise. Because if the body has sat and you, you, you and if there's, I mean, unless we're talking about the, the, the person went from light skin to dark skin, you, like, unless there are like outrageous, um, you know, characteristics that would make one say, uh-uh, absolutely not. But I think when a person is, you know, has left the body, when the soul has left the body and the body is returning back to where it's come from, dust. It begins to decay, and the body does turn black in, the, the, the muscles and the face, things shift. Um, I can see how I can. I can see how they may have been able to be convinced otherwise. All right, all right. Vivian, um, I see you're on. I need you to clarify, if possible, when this happened. Um. If this happened a few years ago and now, because some of our news stories, you know, do go backwards. Um, it's not like a current. They're just dealing with the situation now. It's just making it to court now. But it, it it's not, you know, something current, like last week, two days ago. If you can just let me know if this is something that, um, happened back in the COVID time because that 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 is true that you know back in the COVID time boy was there and it was chaos during that time. Um, so help us out with that if you can, please, Lady Tamika. What say you? Ironically, you you never know what somebody may have gone through, and so this situation is actually dear to my heart um, in that 
when uh, it was time to uh, go through the commencement for my father. Um, he was he 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 um, he expired in New York, um, and we had the funeral in New York, and then we had to have his body shipped to North Carolina. Well, by the time he got there, um, his complexion. Now, my father was very fair skinned. By the time that he got there, his face was considerably dark to the point that we literally questioned um, the facility. We kept saying, no, this is not, this, you know, I said, this is not my dad. My dad was fair skinned. Why does he look so dark? You know, and what we are not aware of is when the body expires. There's a whole lot of things that happen to the physical body, the, the, the features um, sometimes in shifting because understand that, you know, that there's no air, meaning that the body is no longer, you know, there's no inhale and an exhale. And so there's a lot of things that happen. Casket is closed and, you know, there's, there's a lot of things that can happen from one place to the other. The benefit for us is that, you know, when we had him in New York, he had on his wedding band. And when we got to the facility in South Carolina, I mean, in, in North Carolina, it was the same band, you know. And so, but we honestly did question it because, you know, I mean, the hair looked the same, the facial, you know, expression looked the same, but he was considerably darker. So, you know, I could get how you could be convinced. But then my thing is my heart goes out to the family because I'm walking up to the casket, you know, and, and we've seen people kiss their loved ones, you know, standing there over a body. And this isn't even the, the, the person that I'm thinking of. This isn't even my daddy. And I'm standing over this person kissing and hugging and whatever it is that people do, falling all in the casket, because we know that at our funerals, people do that. And I'm falling all over somebody who's completely a stranger. You know, and so we understand realistically that it's not even about the money, but it's the whole facade. You, if, if you even question it, why didn't you just go back and double check? And, you know, you put us through actually um, putting the body in. And, and here's the thing that most people don't think about when you are doing that. You have to pay to open the ground. You have to pay for a vault. You have to pay for other things just to put the body in the ground. Now you're telling me this is not my loved one, and I've now got to open up, so i got to pay again to open the property. So if they're getting that amount of money, give it to them because it, it, the strain, the stress, the, the, the fees, the, the agonizing, the fact that I literally, in my mind, I let this person go through, you know, in, in my mind I let them go and realize they're not even in the ground. So I got to go through this again, you know, so I, my heart goes out to the, the, the family, you know, and I'm hoping that this will wake up the facility and that they will do the right thing. I, I, I really don't understand how that could have happened. You know, I, I, if I'm under the impression, I think there's supposed to be a co-tag for each person. I don't work in that, that, that arena, but mm, you're supposed to look at that before you shift the body, right? Well, we'd like to think so. <laughs> like you all have said, you know, there are, you know, there are, you know, steps to ensuring that the, um, you know, the, the right body is, you know, presented to the family. And, you know, um, Vivian is saying that, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Hold on. 
Let me see what Vivian is saying. She says that it doesn't say a year, so she's assuming it was happening this year. Um, usually when it happens in the past, it says, okay, the person has passed away. So she says that the article was written this month, so it does not reference that this was like, you know, an older um, case here. So, you know, let's take it for it being a current um, death, a more recent death. But like you all have said, you know, thank you, Vivian, thank you. Um, you know, there there are steps that are supposed to be taken that when you present um, someone's body to the family, that it is um, that actual body. The other thing is, um, I don't think I could have gone forward. If I'm looking at this body and I'm saying, this not my mother, this not my father, this not my loved one, and it's one thing if it was one person. You talk about children. So if everybody is kind of in concert saying this is not the individual, you as one individual would have a hard time telling me, my sister, and my my mother's five grandchildren that this was her body. I'm I'm, I'm having a little difficulty with that one. And I do understand that the longer, you know, the body has not, you know, it took for the body to be embalmed and all that kind of stuff, that it does not um, look like, you know, it may not look like the body. I have a, a, a family member who passed away, and I think it was maybe about a week and a half. It's even that long. It's even that long. It may not even have been that long. They had the funeral service, and when my sister got there, she called me. We were on our way, and she was like, Stuff? Uh, that person in that casket does not look like, and she wasn't saying it wasn't. Like this family, she was saying that boy had, we don't know what happened to that body, that it just, it was just completely different. And when we got there, whoa, I could tell it was him. And that's what she said. She said, it's him. She said, but boy, it does not look like him. So I can't even imagine for a family who's looking at a body saying, hey, this is not my parent. And the children, that's the other thing that I'm having a little difficulty with. If you were kind of dealing with a bereaved, you know, daughter, son, wife, you know, maybe one person, then we going back and forth. That's the other thing. Um, but, when, you know, when it's us <laughs> telling you, I don't know if I could have gone through it. And some people say, yeah, you know, some people just kind of doing a towel and they don't want to, you know, wait any longer and, you know, they just want to get it over with at this point because, you know, that process is very difficult. I get it. I definitely get it. You know, all of you know that I buried my mother last year. So I do know, you know, what it's like to be in that frame of mind. But I don't know personally if I – you would have had to maybe show me some other stuff because, see, I know my mother has, you know, let's say for argument's sake, you know, um, my mother had a mole of a, 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 a maybe about a little smaller than a dime on the side of her forehead, on the side of her head by her temple. And that was the, the first thing I spotted when I went to the casket. I was like, wow, Ernie, look at your little mole here. So to me, I said that to say, you would have to let me examine this body somehow or another, even if I had to pay an extra couple of dollars, because if, if, if I agreed to pay an extra couple of dollars 
to ensure. And somebody said, well, maybe they didn't have it. Listen, there, had to, there would have to be something that I would have to do to look at this body other than the face and the upper, you know, the, from the neck up. Something on that body. I knew my mother had one toe bigger than the, you know, the pinky toe or, you know, all her five toes were cut off or something that would have to differentiate this body from any other body. And, you know, look at what ended up happening, that it wasn't. So if you had, let's say, Father, let's say we went that process and, it, you know, it would have proven to be something that could have been helpful. So as far as um, maybe to me, you saying the body being exhumed, and uh, that's not on the expense of the family. That would have to be on the expense of the funeral home. It was a, because the family did object. If the family didn't say anything, then that might be something a little different. But I'm sure they're not going to make that family, when they told people that it wasn't their body, that body of the father, so any exhuming expense, that's on the funeral home because that was their fault, their negligence. Um, again, whether six, I'm going for some dollars as well, but $60 million, eh, I may have to kind of back up off that number because you don't want to go through all of that, to, you know, well, we're going to knock that 60 down to one. <laughs> so we want to save ourselves from that kind of stuff there. Um, thank you, ladies, for indulging me in our socially conscious segment. Our um, elder and I teacher had to um, leave us this morning. But I want to talk about, this is so apropos. Oh, my goodness gracious. We're talking about ways to overcome disappointment. <laughs> Look at what we just definitely talking about, um, and you know we'll we'll, we'll 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 kind of discuss this amongst the three of us. We're going to leave Pastor Charlotte to do her um, her uh, faith over fear segment. But one of the things they say in order for us to deal with um, disappointment is to remember that God is with you. Um, and we'll start with you, Lady Tamika. Uh, definitely. Um, you know, a lot of times we can go and do the extreme or be the most when we feel like nobody's listening. I'm by myself. I'm going through this and I have no help. But when you have the mindset that God is with you and he has your best interest at heart. And so if I'm going through this, I'm not alone. I've got somebody who knows not just me, but the outcome before. Before I proceed, the the situation that I may be going through, the hardships that I may be currently entailing, the fact that he has my best interest at heart and he knows um, and he cares and he sees, then I have all the benefit in the world. All right, all right, all right. Shanti, you know, look at what we're talking about here. You know, this is a big disappointment. You know, how do you handle this on a spiritual level? Well, they say remember that God is with you. And remembering that God is where our expectations should lie because it doesn't mean that we wouldn't expect certain people to do certain things, especially when they have certain job, jobs and um, roles in our lives, directly or indirectly. However, when ultimately your expectation is on God and is with God, then when people disappoint you, it's not, you're not as flabbergasted because, again, you know, you know the traits of God. No one can match him. 
Um, it doesn't mean it may not, you know, bother you some, but just allowing the peace of that he gives us, like the more we learn about his attributes and what he does and how he even helps us to recover from people in situations, it's a lot easier to reside in that. All right. Amen. Amen, ladies. Amen. You know, they say, ask God to heal your heart. Boy, in the case we just got finished talking about, uh, healing is definitely, um, we should be on that mission. And we'll we'll go back to you, um, Lady Tamika. Oh, wow. Yeah, that, that is so true. Um, healing your heart from... Uh, things that have happened to the past, um, we react based on what we have been through. And so when you allow God to heal your heart, when you speak to that person, when you come in contact with them, um, even when their their name is uttered, even if it's not talking about that person, let's just say you got a problem with Barbara and somebody said something about Barbara, they're not even talking about Barbara the person, they're talking about a barber shop. You know, you start spazzing <laughs> out because your heart, Heal, you know. Oh, it's necessary that you allow God to to to, to heal you. You know, it's kind of like you walking around and you have an issue, and you you know you have an issue, and instead of you going to the doctor to get it get it fixed, you oozing all over the people every time you turn around. You know, like I remember I had a friend of mine. This is a, a, an illustration who had his head busted open. And, you know, he had this little band-aid that he kept putting on it. And whenever he frowned or whenever he made a certain expression, it was literally just oozing out, you know. And so, unfortunately, if you don't allow God to heal your heart, that, the same thing happens. You, you are rude in your disposition. You snap at people because that area is still very, very sensitive. And if, if I come near it or if I touch it or if I'm anywhere in the ballpark, you know, you become a different person. And so we we definitely have to allow the Lord to heal us. Amen, amen, amen. Shanti, allow the Lord to heal your heart. Yes, and the best way to allow the Lord to heal your heart is to make yourself available to his healing, to surrender your feelings to him, be honest with him, because when you try to, conceal how you really feel and you call yourself protecting yourself and you don't want to deal with it because like Lady Timmy could say, you know, the second the person's name is mentioned or the situation is brought up, you know, I, I just can't control what I say, how I feel, how I act. But making yourself available to him, he's definitely going to heal your heart because he's he's not okay with sitting and watching you, you know, think hurt, hear hurt, see hurt, speak hurt, move hurt, desire to hurt, desire to hurt. You know, it really becomes a way of life when you don't allow God to heal your heart. Amen. Amen. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, they say put your thoughts on the good. Lady Tamika. I'm sorry, I didn't hear. Put your thoughts. Put your thoughts on the good. Oh yeah, having a good disposition um, helps you so much. You know, um, 
whether you, you know, people call it pessimistic, optimistic, you know, they always have a label for something. But with if your viewpoint um, prior to you getting to where you're doing or, or doing what needs to be done, if your outlook is, oh, well, it's not going to work anyway, why, why bother? You know, even down to something as simple as, well, I'm not going such a, it's going to rain today. You know, I'm not going to do, you know, that disposition, that attitude then that's basically how your outcome looks. You know, you got up first thing this morning, something you stubbed your toe, and your whole entire day is ruined. You know, so have an upbeat, you know, attitude that it is going to work out, that it that the outcome will be a blessing, that that situation, even though it looks bleak, can be turned around. So that when it does come around, you know, you're not surprised. Cause I knew God could do it because he can <laughs> Absolutely, absolutely. Shantis, put your thoughts on the good when you're disappointed. Yes, it brings to mind the verse that says, um, paraphrasing, is meditate on things that are noble, things that are good, things that are just, because that's the only thing a lot of times that helps you to abstain from snapping, from reacting you know, and to help to bring you down, you know, calm you down, not to necessarily suppress how you feel, but it focusing on things that are good helps you, helps to keep you level-headed. So when it's time to address the person and or the situation, now you can think clearer. You know, again, you're not deciding and thinking and reacting through hurt or through anger because you're focusing on the good. So God is going to help you to see things from his perspective. And I know personally, a lot of the times I'll feel that. And I'm like, God, I ain't trying to hear that right now. Cause you know, <laughs> you, especially if it's something that, that feels repetitive, if it's a situation that seems repetitive or it's that same person who just keeps irking your nerves. They just keep finding a new way to irk a new type of nerve in you. But when you just make sure that you focus on the good, he is going to teach you how to navigate and help you see things from his perspective that way. You're speaking the way you need to speak. You're quiet when you need to be quiet. And you're doing things the way he needs you to and when he needs you to. All right, all right. Oh, encourage yourself with the word of God. Lady Timothy. Definitely. The word of God guides you in all things, you know. And... If you are inquisitive and you really, really want to get that, whatever it is that you may be going through, concerns, worries, you know, um, money situations, there is something everywhere in the world that can guide you and assist you. We understand that it's a different time and age, but for everything that you need, it's right there in the world. Amen, amen, amen. Chantis, encourage yourself with the word of the Lord when you're discouraged or disappointed. Disappointed, I'm sorry. Absolutely. Get the memory verses going. Because when you're able to just start speaking God's word, you'll definitely, you know, internally, you feel the, you feel God uplifting you. You feel yourself calming down. You know, it's like no matter how upset you are, but that's the purpose of his word. Again, is to get us in that right state of mind, is to talk us out of doing things in the natural, help us to see things through the spiritual. So, yeah, I 
memorize, you know, not, not just to memorize, but the verses you know that you need for yourself where you know God needs to check you through his word. Memorize those so that you can start speaking those out loud because it definitely helps to take you from being disappointed to, again, now uplifting you and now putting your focus on him and what you need to do or not do. All right, all right. Give your cares to God. Mm, How does that sound to you, Lady Tamika? <laughs> Give your care everything, every care, every concern, every desire, every thought, anything that you are about to endeavor um why not put it in the master's hands? He knows everything. He knows your beginning and end. And so trusting him and knowing that he's going to work it out is all the more better than to try and figure it out. You know, I'm going to see for myself. That's not the way that that's going to work because a lot of times when we end up doing things on that mentality of I'm going to see for myself, we find out that we see for ourselves and it becomes disaster. Absolutely. Absolutely. Give your kids to God, Shanti. I'm giving your cares to God, especially when it gets to the point of things you can't control. You know, God, this is a concern, and this is what I'm overwhelmed with, or this is what I can't seem to stop thinking about, and handing it over to him, and he will then start to prioritize your cares and, you know, helping you to see the things that you should be concerning yourself with the things you shouldn't or the roles you have to play, you know, in regards to each care. And, you know, a lot of times we take our cares and now we try to control a lot because we want to be able to narrate, you know, what happens and the ending of it and the process to the end and all that. It's like that's not our job. So handing our cares over to him so that now we can just do our part and be at peace when he's doing his part. Alrighty, ladies, you have done a fantastic job this morning. Uh, just helping everyone to, you know, learn how to deal with disappointment, and that's something we cannot control. When, where, and who it is attached to. So, thank you so much again for your contribution into today's conversation, and we pray you have a blessed day. You too. Thank you. Have a blessed day, ladies. Thank you. Thank you. All right now, Pastor Charlene, Pastor Charlene, we want to say good morning to you. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning, everyone. How are you today, my love? I am well, thank you. How are you? I am okay. Thank you. Okay. Before we go into your uh, topic um, this morning, you know, I want to ask you about this wow story and, you know, what your thought is on, you know, this whole, um, the family who ended up accepting at the end of the day the fact that this was their loved one, uh, you know, at the pushing of the funeral director. And only to find out that, you know, he was not correct. They actually were. Um, And now they sold for $60 million. What's your thought? 
Uh, as you ladies was talking about it, my thought was how much money that you, the funeral home gets. That was my first thought. And for y'all to be negligent like that um, was a concern. Um, I have been to uh, funerals where that you go, you know, to the wake and you're looking at the person and you're saying that the person don't look like that. Um, I've heard family members do it as well. Um, and with that, it, it's supposed to be the person. You're not sure if it's the person, you know. And my thought was, where's the part where that we having a conversation and about my money? I think that, yes, they should get some money. Um, I always look at go high because, you know, you're not going to get that $60 million. And you might, like you said, get that million, you know. But sometimes we, you know, we don't do that as well either. One thing about doing this time, they take advantage of you um, for all that has been through that walk of doing the, you know, the uh, arrangements. You know, they do take advantage of people because at that moment that you are in that state. Um, and it'll make you snap out of it. You know, somebody has to have that logical brain, right? because everybody else is falling apart. But when it's a lot of people saying the same thing, that's the issue. That right there, there's there's the issue. And somebody needs to be able to um, not only just suing them for their negligence, but all that I've been through, and then you lied. On top of that, it should be something very high that the, uh, far as uh, finance is not going to bring the person back. But to wear that, because I'm always one, hit them in the pocket. Hit you in the pocket, you'll understand and you'll do better. But as much money as they give for now, for a, just to put you in the, the box, of, you know, the coffin above the box and all of that extra, open it up. You got to pay. Do this, you got to pay. Put gloves on, you got to pay. Do the, You know, so, yeah, get them back. <laughs> You know, I mean, everything. <laughs> I don't like their hair the way that you do it. You fix it. You got to pay. Everything is a pay. And everything adds mm-hmm. up. So hit them in their pocket and, yes, go big. Go as big as you can. You Well, you know, reality is you're not going to get it, but I'm going to get something. All righty. All right. Pass the challenge. All right. Thank you. Thank you for sharing your thoughts. On our wow story, you know, our, our topic for today is how to overcome disappointment. And one of two of the areas that they say we need to focus on is choose to pray and, what's the other one? Pray, praise and prayer, pretty much. Praise your way through it. Pray your way through it. What you got for us this morning, Pastor Sean? Absolutely. Um, you want to really start off by praying. Um, and it's, you know, I don't, we always say, it's crazy that you say that, right? But that ain't really the word I want to use. Um, I was just talking uh, about that on um, actually Sunday and how that we can start off by praying. Right. And uh, whatever the situation is, 
we want to take it to God, right? We want to be able to have that conversation with him. You want to be able to, as you use cash, your burdens onto him, tell him everything, even though he already knows, because a lot of people say, oh, well, he already knows I don't have to say, well, he's waiting for you to tell him that. And as you're praying and you're giving God thanks, it can go into a praise because you can start off by just saying, God, you know, I don't know what to say. You know, God, I don't know what to do. And then laying out the situation, laying out how you feel, laying out how if it's a person that, you know, that's in it, is as far as it as well, you know, calling on their name, letting them know that, God, she said or they did or or this situation, or God, you know, I don't have it, you know, but then you're thanking him, right? Because you want to thank him first for all what he has done before we lay our burdens down of complaining, because that's what we're doing. We are complaining, and we get to the complaining part, right? And then with that, you know, I know God that can't nobody do it but you, you know? So when you're going into your prayer, you're starting off that way, and before you know it, you know, it starts getting good to you because now you start quoting scriptures to yourself, you know, and then once after you start doing that, then you want to thank him for what he has done because you want to give him a, you want to give him an advanced praise. You want to be able for him to know that you are grateful for however way because it's not our will, right? It's his will shall be done. So therefore, even in the mix of that being said, that you are being able to, now you're starting to let that load off of you, those weights that start to fall off because you know that can't nobody do it but Jesus. So even in the mix of that being said, that when so you know that you have to be able to, that he's the only one that can do it, and now you got to be able to have that faith and know that he is able and know that you know that he already is going to do it. Whatever his will is, you're still going to be satisfied. Even if he takes it and he moves it, you're still going to be satisfied. Why? Because now you should be able to have it done hooked up into that joy that you have on the inside because no matter what, I know my hand is in his hand. I know that he's going to lead me. He's going to guide me. He's going to deliver me. I know that already that if it's not for me, he's not going to give it to me. I already know that if I continue to press on and give him the glory and the praise, that there's nothing else that nobody else can do. Then we know that already that it's already done. When you get up from off the floor, because that's normally where we go, falling on the floor, right? Then we get up from off the floor, we're standing up, now we're throwing our hands up because now we're surrendering it all to him, and now we're giving him the glory, and now after we're giving him all the praise, now you'll be able to dust yourself off, and you already know that God's got it. God's got it, and I'm going to be all right. No matter what it is, God's got it. He got my back. He got me. So long as I know that he got me and he stands with me at all times, then there is nothing else that I need but your Jesus for him to be able to walk with me and talk with me and let me know that all things are good. And I already know that he is going to do it, but you got to have that mindset to be able to know. Don't doubt. Continue to know. Even when doubt try to come up, you rebuke it in the name of Jesus. Keep on pressing and knowing that God got you. And you will see that whole, your eyelids will be so much different that now you can see that the storm is passing over, that the storm is going, and that now I can see clear. Now I can think clear. Why? Because I gave it all to Jesus. And I know that he said for me to go on to sleep, baby girl. You're going to be all right. 
because I got it. No need for all of us to be up. I got you. And you wake up in the morning, get up, wash your face, wake up the next day, and all things are good. Amen. 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 Thank you so much, Pastor Charlene, in giving us a variation of your faith over fear segment this morning. And we pray you have a blessed day. You all do the same. God bless you. Too. Mm-hmm. Wow. Let's take this opportunity after such a presentation between our ladies and Pastor Charlene Faith Over Fear segment to go before the Lord. Mm-hmm. Holding hands and holding hearts to Heavenly Father God. What a privilege it is to be on this side of the fence, dear God. Thanking you for not just waking us up, but just for keeping us in our right frame of mind, God. All the things that go on from day to day, day in and day out, God, you still, you you stable us, dear Heavenly Father. And we're so grateful for that, God. We ask you to be with our minister, Michelle, dear Heavenly Father, as we miss her and she's not um, able to get on, we pray, God, that your healing hand is stayed on her body, that she acknowledges that it is you who will bring her back into some level of normalcy. And we're trusting you, dear Heavenly Father, for your healing power over her. Lord, we ask you to be with each and every one of our Duke Time crew members, God, as they are going through their own um, journeys to Heavenly Father, we thank you, God, for knowing you, for you introducing yourself to us, and that you are bringing us through everything, that regardless of our disappointment, dear Heavenly Father, you know, we're just standing on your firm foundation. You know, your word says that man will always fail us, but you, God, you will never fail us. And I know sometimes in our uh thinking and in our distress and in our anxiety, God, you know, some of us blame you. Some of us think that you could have done us better. But, Lord, we're grateful because your word says that you don't even handle us according to our iniquities. So that means at times when we, you know, are cutting up and uh, dismissing you and, you know, not even considering what you would want out of our lives, that you are still on our side. Even in our consequence, you still don't deal with us according to our iniquities. How blessed are we? We ask you, dear Heavenly Father, that as we go through the rest of this day, that it will remain a wow. That there would be nothing that would come along to disappoint us. That there would be nothing that would come along to, you know, turn us in the opposite direction. That we will continue to Pray our way through it and praise our way through it. Lift up our hands and give you the glory and honor. So rightly do your name, dear Heavenly Father. Lord, we lift up our Auntie Brenda, God, someone who has been with us from the very beginning of this broadcast. And we thank you, dear Heavenly Father, that you have stabilized her in your own way in her own way, dear Heavenly Father, we pray that you give her comfort, rest, and peace, dear Heavenly Father, as 
she misses your word, your daily word, something that she relied on, getting up to each and every day. We pray, Lord, that every word that she heard until the day she stopped listening, that all those words are captured in her heart, that her spirit remembers every investment you made for three years, just us, not even counting any other investments that you've made, but that we can make an impact even when she's not listening to God, that all of those words of encouragement and words of wisdom and your words would just sit in her spirit and she can just back and marinate on all of those things. Thank you, Father, for those who come and go, those who have listened for one time and they have never been back. And we pray, God, that they were left with something, that there was a gem that was dropped, that they are walking with holding on to. We thank you, God, for investing in us. That we could be nothing. We would be nothing. We should be nothing without you. We should feel like something is off when we're not conceding to your will and your way, God. And we're trusting you for the great things, Lord. We're we're trusting you for the condition of this world. The condition of the United States is they're bearing an incredible, incredible weight for others. And though we know that the job could be better, but we don't know why it's not. So, Lord, we pray that those who have the control, the power, would yield to you. Because we know you are the best strategist. We know that you are the man with a plan. So even though they take seats, in authority, that people are relying on them to come up with something. We rely on you, and we pray that they would rely on you as well. Because handling all of those uh, situations, they can't do it alone. They can't do it alone. We can't do it alone. And we thank you, Father, for just loving us and just teaching us to put our situations, this world situation, in your hands. So we pray, God, that they do the same. We ask you to touch all of your people, God. Send them from near and far to be able to receive the word that you have given to us today. We thank you. We thank you for every single listener. And we give you the glory and the honor. So rightly do you name. In the precious name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Hmm. You know, I give God thanks that we are able to, you know, just discuss our situations. You know, just everyday situations. You know, as we speak each and every day in the encourage you, we're encouraging ourselves, and this goes on day in and day out for us. There are people out there who are really lost, and not only can they not encourage themselves, but they haven't even surrounded themselves with those who could encourage them. It, it, It has amazed me always how people can surround themselves with people that just don't pump anything into them. 
you know, we are here for one another. Despite this attitude of, I don't need nobody, I can do it by myself, we can't. We weren't designed to do it alone. And God has ensured that we don't have to do it alone. And if we're doing it alone, it's because we made that decision. I'm, I'm telling you, I can't even begin to tell you how many people have taken the route to, you know, I, I got this. You know, I'm trying to make the decisions on my own. I'm trying to, you know, make sure I do this. I do this right. And they have not included God in the equation. And I'm trying to figure out, well, how in the world, if you haven't gotten very far already, how far do you think you're going to get without the Lord? Aren't you tired of failing? Aren't you tired of doing things without God and seeing the results? Why do you possibly think that you can do it differently without God and you have some positive results? You'd be surprised how many people are still spinning their wheels trying to figure out how to get it done and never thinking to include God. Because, see, my theory is, well, you can't go down no further than this. Aren't you low enough to even consider God? I was just never that person who just kept doing the same things over and over again and just was bumping my head up against the wall. My head got tired after a while. <laughs> you know, and I was like, you bumped my head once, you bumped my head, but that's it. That's it. Most times it only took one time. I, I didn't take three or four times to listen because I didn't like the way it felt. But I have to tell you, even when I tried to do things differently and it may have quote-unquote worked, it wasn't until I submitted and surrendered my life to the Lord when it really began to work. You know, you only got partial results. No matter how great, you know, things may look or feel or be. When you sprinkle a little Jesus on that thing, you watch the way everything blossomed. And that's what I'm talking about. You know, the rain falls on the just as well as the unjust. So, you know, there will be some times when you look at people and you're like, well, how in the world did they get that? You know, that's because we are all his children. And we have to understand that sometimes God allows the blessing to draw people. You know, people feel smashed all the time. Are they really going to look to God? You know, not everybody. You know, some of us, we got smashed so much. And we were like, okay, let me just try Jesus. There are other people who actually work in the very opposite. They are so far down that they cannot look up. So in saying that, it should let you know how blessed you are. That wherever your low was, you still could look up. And once you tried it once and it worked and felt better than you ever felt before, that you kept that you kept on over and over and over again. 
that God showed and he showed and he showed up and he showed out in your life. That you kept pressing and he kept showing up and showing out in your life. And you kept pressing and you looked up again no matter how far you fell. And God just pulled you out. He just pulled you through. That's the kind of God we serve. One who has promised that he will never leave you nor forsake you. And he is a man who keeps his word. It is so comforting to have a man in your corner who keeps his word. That you don't have to worry about him lying, stretching the truth, playing semantics with your word. Deceiving you for his own good. It's making you want to, you know, making you think one thing when it's really another thing. There's no hidden agenda for him being in your life. He ain't in your life for what he can get out of you, for what he can give you. You ain't got to worry about doing all the waiting. He ain't doing nothing. Or you pulling more to wait and you looking over at him and he's running a, a far second. You ain't going to worry about is he really bringing his money to the table because he's going to bless you bountifully more than you could ever imagine. That you have a man in your corner who is rich and you, who's not stingy and afraid to share. As a matter of fact, he'll give you even when you don't give him. Oh, am I talking to anybody out here? That you got a man that puts you first? Oh. <laughs> that you got a man that'll hug you when you need to be hugged. I want to continue to serve a God just like that. And I invite you to join me in serving a God who's just like that. You won't be disappointed. You've been listening to It's New Time with Pastor Steph. Join us Monday through Friday from 7 a.m. to 9 a.m. where we discuss matters of the heart, mind, and spirit. As you go through your day, be sure to set your mind on things that are above not on things that are on the earth, because it will only serve as a distraction. Remember, prayer changes things. It's Pastor Steph signing off, and I want to thank my due time to my ladies for always coming through. Thank you for always hanging out with us. Please do not miss this opportunity to give your life to Christ right now. Please do not miss this opportunity to just strengthen that relationship with the Lord right now because later is not promised to any of us. Until tomorrow, God spares, where it's Therapeutic Thursday. Until then, I love you.